Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for the World Championships Time Trial Recap. Both men and women, they kicked off, or the women's kicked off very early, like 9am Australia time, which was horrendous for European time zones. Uh, I think not too bad for East Coast uh, for North America. And then the men's was later in the afternoon, decent conditions, no rain. I'm not sure about the wind, how it changed throughout the day. Um, but, yeah, probably finishing in the worst time zone possible um, for – although, is it light outside? Is it – what time is it where you are, Benji? I'm currently at 8.30 in the morning, and the race finished oh, about an hour ago. So it's been fine, but I've I've stayed up for, like, most of the night anyway. And I think when it comes to wind conditions – in the men's race, apparently the wind was harder at the start when the likes of Luke Blatt went off compared to towards the second last and the last wave. That's at least what I heard from people on the ground. But hey, that's my take on the wind. <laughs> but before we get into the recaps, I'll mention our show partners. Swift Swift Academy has kicked off Workout 2. As a reminder, if you've registered, Workout 2 of Zwift Academy is available, the FTP short blocks, as well as the Z Racing monthly series, which has, I believe, four stages to get into the swing of competing on Zwift. So it's like a welcome to the Z Racing monthly series. Stage 3 kicks off on September 19th, that's tomorrow, on a route from the first ever virtual Tour de France. So if you want to check both of those, uh, events out on Zwift or get a free seven-day trial. In order to check it out, you can go to Zwift.com through the link down below. But this TT, 34 kilometers, actually a bit more technical and quite a lot slower than I expected. I expected the winner to be 52 to 53K in our average. That wasn't the case. Um, even without rain, it was yeah quite technical and like the climb seemed to really cook guys guys really seemed to blow up on this course and the winner i think probably one of the biggest upsets of the season this is like yeah. nearly kizuno for levels in terms of being triple digits in the market before tobias foss wins the world championships time trial with an average of 51.24 3 seconds ahead of Stefan Kung, <laughs> nine seconds ahead of Avonapol, and 40 seconds ahead of Hayter, who had a mechanical, Bissiger in fifth, Pagacha in sixth, he beat Ganna in seventh, Oliveira eighth, Lampard ninth, Armorel tenth. And I don't think anyone saw this coming. I don't think we mentioned false in our preview, Benji. Yeah, and exactly. And the thing with Foss this season is that he hasn't had the best season at all. I swear he started off in the likes of Algarve and so forth. I remember him on either Alto de Foya or the other climb, crashing on the last second with Higuita on the floor. And then afterwards, he recovered from that, went to the Giro, was really disappointing. I think he had issues with water absorption in his body, I read somewhere. And next to that, I feel like when, I don't mean this in any offensive way, but he looked above his GC raise weight. And Looking that through the season, I feel like he popped up for the first time properly since the start of the season in, was it Montreal or Quebec? I think it was Quebec where he was pacing, or Montreal he was pacing for Wout van Aert. And that was the strongest falls I had seen since February. But I didn't like, like extrapolate that to him being able to win the World Championships a week and a half afterwards the ITT World Championships. Now, when it comes to this race, I do want to add like, 
the way the men's race goes is that the riders go off in like four waves. So you've got X amount of riders first, a bit of a pause, X amount of riders then, a bit of a pause, X amount of riders then, and then the final riders after a bit of a pause as well. So four waves of riders that cross, the best riders being usually in the last wave. And usually it's like one of each country per wave. So, for example, for Italy, you'd have the likes of Sobrero in the second last wave, you had Affini in the, in the third last wave, and you'd have Ghana in the last wave. And I think I spoke about it a bit at the start. The wind might have affected some of these waves. I think the first wave was most impacted by harsher wind conditions. But towards the end, I think wave the second last one, where I think Foss was in, compared to the last one, where the likes of Ghana and so forth was in, I, I don't know there were, if there are too many differences there weather-wise and so forth because when it comes to rain and so forth it was a, a clear day right yeah it wasn't too bad i mean there was a crash with sheffield during the race he was quite good uh running sixth at t1 sixth at t2 we didn't really see what happened he was on the other side of the barriers and i thought on a first sight has have the barriers fallen down with the wind apparently not apparently he'd just gone through them um but i'm, I'm not sure exactly and to be honest this is just really really weird tt like there's something to do with the travel and maybe the course and guys who are coming off the vuelta guys who are um coming from training and have done a one-day race like a force just really really weird um, not just force winning which like is a huge upset but like Ghana coming seventh is a really poor performance um being beaten by Pagacha on a, a course without too much elevation in dry conditions three seconds out of Nelson Oliveira I, he completely exploded he was fifth at t1 t2 and then his t1 and t2 to the finish were 10th and 15th he blew up uh Hater had a mechanical he I don't think he takes 30 seconds to be on the podium. Avinapol was wearing the red Vuelta helmet, so obviously he's not winning. That's just, you can't do that. Um, so third is not too bad. He was close, nine seconds behind Foss. Bissiger, again, he was 15th at T1, T2, and then his uh, T1 to T2 was sixth, T1 to finish fourth, T2 to the finish second. He maybe went out too easy. I'm trying to pick some other random results out. Um, Kuhn, first at T1, first at T2, first at T1 to T2, second at T1 to the finish, and then fifth at T2 to the finish. It's kind of like last year, Benji, where he was neck and neck with Ganner and Wow, and then from the last time check, he blew up. It wasn't spectacular, but it was just enough to not win today. Exactly, and I think we've spoken in the past before that Stefan Kung is the kind of rider that fits for me more at like 20-25 kilometer time trials, like the European Championships parkours that are usually 20 to 25 kilometers. That's where he can strike, and I think 34 might be a bit over the edge for this man, and as a consequence, he lacked the energy in the last portion of the race, blew up somewhere towards the end. Not necessarily blew up, because I, it wasn't crazy, his downfall, but it was notable enough for Foss to take the upper hand in the latter part and even when Foss crossed the line the first time he did I was like I'm not sure this is going to be the time the first time check second time check as well it was really close to other riders I think the likes of Sheffield was like two seconds behind or something or one second behind at the first time check behind the likes of Foss it was not 
the craziest time by Foss either. And it looked like he had a bit of a, whether it was on purpose or by accident, a negative split going on where he was full for the first time check. And he got better and better towards the end, each check onward. Yeah, Tobias Foss, he has never won a time trial other than the Norwegian time trial championships. He, I think, came third in the Giro Short TT last year, uh, which Afini did well in and Ghana won. That was a prologue. Um, just a crazy result. This year, fourth in the Algarve TT in the Giro, sixth in the first Budapest TT, eighth in Verona, the final TT Deutschland Tour, ninth in the prologue. He didn't do the European Championships. Uh, he won the Norwegian National Champs ITT ahead of uh, Søren Varensgold, who's pretty good, I think probably the favourite for the U23 uh, time trial championships. So showing, he beat him by a minute 11, but hard to really extrapolate that to winning the World Champs. And you have to say, like, he's not even... Before this race, he wouldn't have been considered in the top five of Jumbo Visma's time trialers. Uh, Van Aert, Roglic, Vingegaard, Dennis, Dumoulin, um, before he retired. Like, you'd probably pick all them. And, I mean, he's obviously in great shape, but the Jumbo Visma setup and the way they prepared for this, it's just unbelievable, winning the TT with him. And... I don't know. I have to like you don't know what the projected times were for various riders, mm-hmm. but for Stefan Kung to beat Ganna, to beat Avonapold, to beat Hader Bissiger, <laughs> to beat well, who didn't start, and then still not win by three seconds, it's got to just be so demoralizing uh, I- for Stefan Kung. It's the most Kung ever thing, eh? Like he's always so close, and he always gets right next to it, and it's becoming such a sad aspect to the being of Stefan Kung, because I swear, like, every single time on a, on a serious goal, he's, like, two seconds, one second out. We had Olympics and so forth. So it's getting a bit sad in that way. But other riders that must be disappointed here, we didn't mention Cavagnan in the preview that much, and he didn't really show it today either. Like, 11th, worse than Bruno Admirai. Admirai doing a better time trial here as well. Admirai also being French ITT champion, if I recall correctly. So... Are we seeing a bit of a, a decline when it comes to Cavani ever since this injury at the start of the season? And does the same count for the like of a, a Sobrero who we thought would actually do decent? Because I swear he was great at the last time trial of the Giro. Do you see a reason why those two riders weren't at their usual level? I mean, not really. Uh, no, I think this is Cavani's level. I don't think he's that good. Um, okay. That's why we, why, why I always forget to mention him. Um, <laughs> the... Sobrero, yes, I thought might do a little better. I'm trying to see who did some very odd time time splits. Um, it looked like the best way to do it was just to do it even, like Foss did, yeah. with a little bit of a negative power split. Um, Sheffield got unlucky. I wonder where he would have finished up, what the Ineos pacing plan was. It's impossible to know now because two of their best riders, Hater and Sheffield, we're going well and then we're struck by bad luck. And what about Ghana, though? Let's talk about him. He started off or ran favorite for this this time trial. He's back-to-back world champion. I thought he looked a little bit beat, more beatable this year, but this is – he <laughs> has finished uh, best part of a minute behind Foss. So that's – even if I thought he was going to take – had taken a little bit of a step back, that is – 
not a good result. What does this mean for Ganner? He just announced he's doing the hour the hour record shortly. He was able to prepare for this. He didn't have to do the Tour de France. He just did Deutschland Tour. This is, yeah, this is a huge knock for him. What do you think? He, and he just signed a big, big extension. What do you think he'll be thinking? Well, first of all, I think his season started relatively okay with like the French smaller races doing really well. They're showing themselves in races that might not necessarily be as piece of cake like that uphill sprint I think where he was sprinting against the likes of Kokari if I recall correctly which was pretty crazy but towards the UAE tour he ended up losing that time trial towards Bissiger seven seconds down and it continued onwards a bit like that won the Tirreno ITT which is on paper his territory but then it started dropping down for me and perhaps it's the fact that he also took the likes of Sanremo and Rubea's potential low-key targets a bit at the start of the season and he also ends up doing great at the Dauphiné time trial, beating the likes of Van Aert. So that's when he was still on point, in my opinion. And it really changes towards the Tour de France, where his time trials, both of them were not on the level that we expect from Agena. And that season objective number one, trying to get that yellow jersey in Copenhagen, was arguably a season objective, quite certainly for Agena here. And then we look at the rest of the season, and the next objective, in my eyes, was the World Championships ITT like this one, and the hour record. but. I feel like the hour record is one where he should win on paper, even though Dan Bigham's time there is is strong and he did that grandiosely on paper. Again, I should be able to beat that. Although it's not always only about Watson's fault. Bigham is still helping him when it comes to all the rest of the stuff, the arrow stuff. So on paper, that should be doable. So the most risky goal was the World Championships, and he ends up failing that now, getting seventh in it, getting third in the European Championships IDT, which I think he cares much less about than a world championships and is more a preparation race in his eyes but that means that both the season objectives the tour de france and the world championships have now been like let's be honest about it not what they were supposed to be which was a victory in some shape or form and that's not the case now is he a victim of his previous years where he was so dominant where now he has one slightly worse year and every single aspect of his objectives falls apart or is it or should we look at worse. a season as a failure? I, th- I think it's worse than that because it's not like he was close in the in the Tour de France TTs uh, in the prologue. He said he had a slow flat in the last kilometre, so maybe forgive that first TT a little bit. Um, but he wasn't even close today. It's not like he's picking up a medal. I think he did at European Champs. And apart from maybe Bissiger, who I don't consider in the echelon of Kung and, and Van Aert and Avonapol and Ganner, Ganner is the only one who's a specialist. Avonapol just won the Vuelta. So this is the should be the easiest loss of his career to stomach. I know he probably wants yeah. to win everything, but <laughs> the, the excuses are built in. Van Aert won three Tour de France stages in green. Uh, Stefan Kung is a... Uh, FTJ's best classics rider and an important domestique. Ghana is, and it's funny because I believe that Ghana's TT success has meant he's actually been overrated in road races during the last eighteen months. But he's not. I know he's not that good on the road. I know he's sometimes a good domestique, but for what he's paid, like he's not not a monument classic favorite by any stretch. So. Yeah, he. this was his big target, and he's come up really short. Maybe the flight didn't agree with him. I'm sure, like, I don't know. It's yeah. It affects people in different ways. It's This could be a one-off event. Tobias Foss, Benji, 
He won Tour de l'Avenir in 2019. That's only three years ago. He is 25, turning 26 next May. What do you think this means? Like you said, you, he's probably not at GC weight to be doing a 52.5K an hour TT on this course. Like, should he just commit? Is this just a one-off aberration? And we shouldn't Ooh. expect, like, do you expect Foss to be winning World Tour TTs next year? Do you expect him to be a better GC rider? Do you think he should focus on one days, like punchy one days, where he can be a bit more powerful like he was at Quebec and not focus on GC? I'll be honest, this is, this is not the decider for me yet. As in, we've seen Foss do good time trials already in the Giro uh 2021 2020 2020 most likely where he had that first time trial i think he was top three in and in general his time trial was on point then but it was not on the level that we probably saw today but in all honesty this kind of reminds me of that year that kirienka won the world championships but it's a different aspect it's different competition and so forth different parkour and so forth but the fact that an outsider wins the race kind of reminds me of those days. And we saw Kirienka win a few time trials in the rest of his career, but not be the dominant factor like Agana is in his time trials, for example, or about Fanat is in his time trials, that kind of stuff. Or Tony Martin back in the days when he won six years in a row or something, the World Championships, he won time trials regularly. And I don't necessarily expect that for Foss. And I also am not sure whether he wants to give up that GC goal yet. And Algarve and so forth, those are smaller races, but he was relatively on point with his climbing and so forth. But that's not the same as a Grand Tour. He topped in the Giro last year. What does that mean when it comes to his GC? I think he can top 10 a Grand Tour. We've seen already. So that, that bar is set. But it's his personal goal to go further into GC or into time trial. And or is I that what Yumbo wants? Yumbo aren't yeah. out here trying to top 10 GC. Yeah, they're they're also not out here to to just win time trials, I'd say. They're out here for more than that. And perhaps this rider is the kind of rider that can be a combination of doing good time trials and be a great super domestique and so forth for other riders. But we haven't necessarily seen that because he's always been sent to a Grand Tour with the goal of being a co-leader, like with Dumoulin and the Giro, for example. And last year he was, was he co-leader with someone? I think Bennett or something in yeah, the Giro. Bennett. He and I feel like that aspect makes it so I don't know whether he's going to be that good super domestic eater, but we saw in like Montreal that he can do quite a lot of good work on hilly parkours and maybe there's something there, but he also does not necessarily in my eyes have the, does he have the punch in like a kick sprint towards the end to do something after a hilly race? Uh, he was going to top through that foyer finish before Aguida mm -hmm. crashed him, right? The 10k 5% yeah. sort of hilltop finish. Um, that's no Liège, but that's on Liège. But <laughs> I think, I think there's real potential to convert him into a really good domestique in stage races. He's, as you said, a bigger guy, tall, provides a really good draft behind him. Um, I haven't noticed him being particularly crash prone, which is important. He can pull the flat. He can pull five to seven percent climbs very hard. There's less sort of maybe pressure. Um, and maybe riders do better in that role, some some like leading. I don't know. But there's still like a lot to work with. He signed last year, his last year of his contract with Jumbo Visma. Um and yeah, as you said, Benji, I'd really like to see how he goes in I don't know, like 
could even make the Omlo their, their classic squads kind of pretty stacked. <laughs> I think Amstel's Arden as a early domestique is probably where he fits in a bit more um, as well. I wouldn't send him to the Giro as a co-leader again. Uh-uh. I just wouldn't do that. I'd make that the Olaf Koi show. Oh, the Olaf Koi show. But also next to that, Kelderman's also arriving. Adiambo, which is likely going to be a leader, I think, in that Giro is how I would see it. Personally, like, do you see an option where he's there as a super domestic for Kelderman or do you think that he deserves to at least be co-leader for a bit since he top 10 that Giro? Or do you think he's straight up super domestic? From the start, I don't know. I, I don't know if is Kelderman doing the Giro. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces. I had mentally forgotten that Kelderman's going there, but yeah, someone needs to do the Giro <laughs> out of Roglic, Kelderman, or, or Vingegaard. And yeah, no, to answer your question, no, I wouldn't make him co leader. I think Kelderman, okay, Kelderman's been much better when he hasn't crashed. Anyway, that's enough on Tobias Foss and the men's TT. Unbelievable result. Uh, at Kung, silver, Avonapol, bronze. <laughs> um, what an upset. In the women's TT, exactly the same course, which we don't need to rehash, 33Ks and quite technical. I thought the women would average uh, 48, and I thought the men would average 53, and it was under as well. Uh, just a little bit slower the course uh, and the conditions than I than I anticipated. Uh, but the favourite, Annemiek van Flirten, kind of did what we thought might happen well, no, actually, that's not true. I thought she'd be narrowly beaten. She does what Ganna did. Similarly, she finishes eighth, well off the pace, 140 behind Ellen Van Dyke, who takes out the world champs TT. She was eight seconds up at T1, 13 up at the finish on Grace Brown, taking silver at home in <laughs> Australia. Marlon Royce, a third, uh, a good way back, too. She was. 40 seconds or so behind Van Dyke and 30 seconds behind Grace Brown. In terms of pacing, even from Van Dyke, even from Brown, even from Royce, to be honest. Actually, Royce lost a little bit in the final T2 to the finish, but I don't think that it was inconsequential really at that point. Guazzini, the big surprise, fourth. Leah Thomas, fifth. Faulkner, sixth. I do wonder what Faulkner, how she would have done if she'd had an ideal prep. Van Vluten, seventh. Baker, eighth. Kopecky, ninth. Kiesner, a tenth. That's a nice result for her, presumably self-organized, self-funded, etc. Van Dyke, though, Benji, she just does the business. Like, she, I think she yeah. got over 60 pro wins. And, yeah, there's nothing really more, more to say than she's... She gets robbed of so many wins by there not being enough ITTs in women's world tour racing. Yeah, she's simply done it. And I agree that there's not many opportunities for her during the season to show that ability as well. But I think we mentioned in the preview that we also see a difference between Van Dijk and Royster between the length of time trials. And it does shine through a bit, I'd argue, because I do believe that Royster fell off a bit between T2 and the finish, finishing, well, being the seventh best time in that portion of the race. Uh, and I think that aspect shows here for the fact that what if Royster doesn't have that in that last spot? How close does she get to a Grace Brown and to a potential silver medal? I'd love to see the calculations and so forth. On quick viewing, I don't think she gets over Grace Brown and Brown stays second, but I'm not 100% certain. 
I will say what a wonderful performance by Grace Brown. And it's one of those riders, just like Van Dijk that you just mentioned, that won the Australian Championships, never got to show the jersey throughout the entire season. No world to ITTs in that sense. And then we arrive at this World Championships and she shows that she deserves to be a national champion and more in the ITT, getting a second silver spot. I, I love saying that. I genuinely do. When it comes to Guazzini, there's the aspect that I feel like she was a bit all-round and I never really know where to place her as a rider. And when it comes to time trial, she hadn't really shown amazing time trial. I think she was second at like Mediterranean champs or something. Or no, actually she won Mediterranean, Mediterranean games, the ITT, which was not against the biggest competition. So ah, I'm not sure how much that counts, but there was a notable gap behind her, for example, at the likes of a Britannia Ladies where she got second behind Ivanchenko, which is also not the top-level time trialist on the spot. So I feel like this is the, the TT that brings her forward when it comes to her time trials, and that might put her in a, a different area when it comes to her team, what they can expect of her. Can she now race for races that are... I don't know, you've got these races in the Netherlands, for example, or uh, touring and tour, those kind of races where you've got like hilly parkours and then a time trial somewhere, the one that Van Dijk, for example, did Blue Zone of Friesland or something, that kind of stuff. I feel like... Uh, a Guazzini can compete in that, but not only does she get that fourth spot, she also wins the U23 World Championships because it's delivered in the Elite World Championships race. And when it comes to the road race, I've got a good huge issue with that because you you'll end up with countries that have riders that are U23 but are forced to ride as a domestique versus other countries who will have those riders be individual and let them race for that U23 title. But in time trials, it's irrelevant. You know, it's fine that it's in the same race for me. And she ends up winning U23 World Championships with a notable gap on Shirin Van Androoy, like a minute 50 or something, which is a huge gap. Now, I didn't have Shirin Van Androoy written down as the best time trialist in the world, so that's also an aspect there. But it is uh, the future of time trial for certain, especially when she's that young. So props to Guazzini for winning that. And I guess she cannot show that at any point during the season because... I don't think she will write the new Avenir that is about to come out or something. We don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the U23 World Champs jersey. Oh, maybe Bjerg <laughs> probably wore it a few times because he won it three times. Um, I saw the FTG uh, Suez performance, uh, Futurisco performance coach on Twitter. Very happy with the result, obviously. Um, they've obviously done a lot of work getting Brown and Guazzini in a good position. And yeah, they go away with that and brown silver medal at home, which is probably the biggest upset. But th this was not as big an upset today as in the men's race. Uh, Van Vleuten said on Twitter afterwards she just didn't know what happened. Obviously, you didn't expect her to come seventh or eighth. She just said she couldn't do, I think, her normal power. She didn't know why exactly. And again, that's what I've been talking about, like, Flight affects people differently, perhaps, different environment. Um, we're all upside down down here, etc. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> this just, it is what it is. I thought Zabalinskaya, Olga Zabalinskaya, I think she's like 40, 42. Um, the, she is the Uzbek. Um, I thought she'd do a bit better. She came like 19th. Um, Royce Benji. SD Works, I assumed, would have had the special, the best setup. They, but she just, yeah, it's not even like she was unlucky today. She's just way off the pace. Um, but again, like 
there's nothing really to say about that. What do you think? The one thing I will take out of this TT that I really didn't like was the placement mm-hmm. of the T1, T2. Oh. T1 was way too early, and then you had to wait 22 minutes plus for T2, which was then only like eight, 10 minutes before the finish. So you basically watch because the T1, everyone in both races, they're very close. Van Dyke, you had an inkling. She went sub 10 minutes. She's pretty fast. But the men's race is all blanketed. And you're like, oh, well, that's all irrelevant. And then you have to wait an interminable amount of time to T2. And you're like, oh, they are doing way better than I thought. Like, what? Why aren't the TTs evenly spaced out or like one at halfway, a, a T3? What did you think of that? Especially on a parkour like this, where you've got a loop of two times 17 kilometers. Why is there nothing in the middle? Why is there not a time check just after loop one already? Like, it makes so much yeah. sense to do it. Like, right? <laughs> do, they, do they go through the finish line or no? Yes. They do. Yeah, well, that's just ridiculous. Like, this should usually. I mean, usually you do get a T3, don't you? Last year, I know it was longer, but yeah. I, in terms of entertainment, um, 34 kilometers versus 50 kilometers, who did that suit more? I don't think it changed too much, to be honest. Like Van Dyke's the specialist. I think she wins at 40Ks. I think she wins at uh, yeah. maybe 20Ks, 20 is a bit closer, but, you know, she, I don't think it changed too much in the women's either. So Trek just continue their awesome season. And uh, a shout-out to Leia Thomas as well, a 33-year-old, usually a domestique on that team, on Trek taking out fifth for the US. Um, but, yeah, that's all from the, the World Champs one, uh, TT from me. Any last thoughts, Benji? One more thing. What do you think the time trial says for the road race, for example? Because with, like... Van Vleuten being disappointing in the result here, do you think that affects the road race as well? Or do you think it's difficult, you know, because we don't know the exact cause. Let's say it is the flight and so forth. By the time the road race arrives, that should be relatively okay, right? But if it's a different issue, we don't know, you know? It's in a week. So that today is Sunday. The World Champs road races are next weekend. That's a decent amount of time. You'd think... Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't really understand like their project. Cause what, what if, what if even Napoleon Kung did better than last year at Leuven? We don't know because yeah. we can't see their power files and Foss just like was unbelievable. What if Van Dyke did a PB today? What if Van Vlerten, she, she though, she said she did not have a normal power. So she literally said that. I don't know. Um, maybe it's the magpies, which people probably thought was a joke. They're not. Like, they're pretty savage. People have died. People have actually died trying to avoid magpies really? attacking them on a bike. Yeah. The magpie hasn't killed them, but they, okay. when the magpie, like, flusters you. Because you, when you're riding along in your own little world, and it's bang, it's like someone's throwing a rock at your head because they attack you, hit your helmet, they maybe go at your sunnies. It's... It's dangerous this time of year in spring, in particularly down in Wollongong or um, the Hungry Jacks near Murray's. There was one there. Whew, that one was savage. But I mean, do you know what a magpie has been? Have you heard of this before? You know the, the they should have had the the helmets with the zip ties. Have you seen the helmets with the zip ties on them? 
I spoke with some Brits yesterday about magpies, and then I saw a British magpie, which apparently is completely different than like their aggressiveness towards an Australian magpie, who's like <laughs> territorial and wants to attack cyclists. And here in Britain, they're like sitting there on the fence, like "Hello, guys." So I think there's a significant difference between the two species. That's all I know. <laughs> it's like the humans between the UK and Australia, maybe as well. <laughs> is it the magpies? Yeah, symbolic. I don't know. Um, that's all. Maybe I'm sure uh, there will be something this week. Some poor, uh, like Italian junior, <laughs> will get attacked by a magpie and crash or something. And be, be like, <laughs> it'll be the news of the championship. So I, I hope that doesn't happen, but it might. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's the world champs. TT done. Foss, the big winner of the men's. Ellen Van Dyke winning the women's race, and yeah, we'll have a bit of a hiatus for a couple of days, maybe a transfer roundup. There's some Adam Yates rumours. If Ooh. that gets finalised, we'll so if the agents could please sort that out by about <laughs> Tuesday so we could do a midweek pod, um, that'd be great. Uh, so look out for that if that news does happen. If it doesn't, we'll see you with the road race recaps next weekend. Ciao.